0: Let's take our Bibles and go to the New Testament book of Philippians, Philippians chapter 2. And uh, if you don't have a Bible or forgot to bring yours today, there should be one there on the pew that you can uh, pick up and use. Philippians chapter 2, we're going to begin to read in verse 1. Philippians 2, verse 1, and we're going to read all the way through verse 11, but we're going to unpack the first four verses today, alright? So if you have your Bibles, just follow along with me. Philippians chapter 2, beginning in verse 1. The Bible says, If there is any encouragement in Christ, any comfort from love, any participation in the Spirit... Any affection and sympathy, complete my joy by being of the same mind, having the same love, being in full accord, and of one mind. Do nothing from rivalry or conceit, but in humility count others more significant than yourselves. Let each of you look not only to his own interests, but also to the interests of others." Have this mind among yourselves, which is yours in Christ Jesus, who, though he was in the form of God, did not count equality with God a thing to be grasped, but made himself nothing, taking the form of a servant. Being born in the likeness of men, and being found in human form, he, no, notice this, he humbled himself, is Lord. To the glory of God the Father. Amen? This is a tremendous, tremendous passage of Scripture. Which, by the way, there is no bad part of the Bible. Alright? But this passage, I pray and hope that every single one of us can bring somebody with us next week. Next week, we're going to camp on, out on verses 5 through 11, that in this book of Philippians, it is the, most, uh, the, the clearest, most succinct picture of who Jesus is. It is an absolutely phenomenal passage, which I believe... Sunday school teachers or even if you're chilling at somebody's house, you can read this passage just alone. You don't have to break it down with illustrations in Greek and so forth. This passage alone will rock people's world. Just to give you a heads up, next Sunday, the whole time, it's going to be about Jesus. Okay? You say, Jeff, I... What about all the other sermons that you preach? Are they about Jesus? They are, but they're a lot more application-oriented. Next week, we're just going to lift Jesus up and we're going to let the Holy Spirit do the application. Alright? We're going to try something new. Just Jesus, who is He? What does that mean? What is my duty to Him? And if you are, if you've... I've if you've, got to slow down. Y'all pray for me this morning. I'm excited about this. Seriously. If you have experienced... Kind of like a dull, lackluster, feels like it's lame Christian life these past few weeks or months or year. You just feel like I I should go to, I just don't have the spazazz, I don't have the desire, I don't have the fire inside here that I used to. Please come next week and we're going to trust God through His Word, to start a fire in our hearts. It's going to be about Jesus. I already have the outline finished and that should be on the website here in a few days if you want to download that and check that out and begin to do some study. We're getting into theology. So, looking forward to it. But, for my uh, ADHD friends and brethren, you notice that there is something up here on the podium that's not normally here. We have to my left and your right, kids. What is this? Alright, it's a mirror. Everybody in the back, can y'all, can y'all see that? Okay, check your hair. And then um, we've got over here. Now, this I found this. By the way, Rocky Mount Baptist Church has been here for a few years. And you can find all sorts of treasures in Rocky Mount Baptist Church. I mean, this globe here is so old for North America. It just has where Columbus went, like that's all, I mean, this is an old globe, okay, and and one, and I love globes, some of y'all will get that, if your neighbor didn't get it, just explain it to them, okay, this one actually has the, uh, over here in Central Asia, the, the Union of Soviet Socialist Republic, republics, interesting, I don't know about if you were like me, but as a kid, I could go up to a globe, and you would do that thing to where you would spin it, right, and then you would put your finger, boom, And you would be able to, or have, you know, my mom taught me and and be able to learn about that. I love globes. You say, Jeff, what in the world do you have a random globe and a random mirror on the pulpit for crying out loud? Here's what we're going to look at this morning. The revolutionary power of humility. The mirror represents when we live our lives focusing on ourselves and how this will benefit me. Is this fun? Is this enjoyable? What can I get out of it? The globe represents what we pray God will do in our hearts through this passage. The globe represents when we humble ourselves and turn away from the mirror of our life and say, God, how can I get plugged in with other people? How can you use me to change the world? And what most of us have found if we've been saved is that Jesus Christ, when we get saved, he turns this Into something that we never thought it was. When we look into the mirror, we see ourselves as He sees us. Remember the old, uh, what was it, the old story about mirror, mirror on the wall and talking to the mirror? I don't know about you. If I walked into somebody's house and they're talking to the mirror and the mirror begins to talk back, I'm leaving. Amen? Right? Like that is a party I'm not staying for. But in the book of James, it's so interesting when it talks about when we look into the perfect law. When we become hearers of the law, meaning the Bible, and we go away, but we—it's kind of like, man, preacher kind of stepped on my toes this week. But it's probably I, I don't. That's kind of weird. We've gone over that. I, I don't like stepping on people's toes. I'm going to preach the Bible, and I pray that God will change your heart. Okay. That's the way God did me. That's the way He does all of us when we get saved. He changes our heart through the preaching of the Word. But when we come to church, we say, well, I, I looked into the mirror this week, and what I saw wasn't what it should be, but I'm just I'm just going to go and try to forget about it. The Bible says it's the same way as when a person comes and looks in a mirror, and they see themselves um, like none of us understand the term beauty sleep, do we? I mean, how many of you have ever gone to sleep and you got up looking better than you did when you went to bed? Right? Like, like none of us unless you are a hardcore narcissist. I mean, you are really prideful. Get up in the morning and you stumble into the bathroom and you're like, Right? Like, yeah, man, I don't know. The Guy, you have got, got it going on. And the girls, you're all kind of like, woo, you know, I gotta, I gotta, I gotta, you know, do something. I gotta go carry an ice pack because I'm going to burn this town. I'm just on fire. No, we don't do that. Y'all alright? For our traditionalists, I don't know where that's going, okay? But, but we understand that the Bible teaches us in the book of James that if we hear the Bible, if we read the Bible, and we are convicted, and doesn't I mean we go to jail, it means that we realize that we're wrong and we need Christ. Or if we're saved, we've been living in sin. We're like, yeah, you're right, but then we go away and we don't repent of it and change. It's the same way as a person coming to a mirror and looking at themselves and the hair's all messed up. They just look absolutely terrible, but then they just go to work anyway. Doesn't make sense. So what we're going to ask the Lord to do this morning, if you have a have a a bulletin, you should have been handed one uh, when you came in. By the way, if you've ever seen somebody who has no idea what to do, watch a Baptist come into church who misses a bulletin. They they don't know what to do. They sit there and look blankly like, okay, so I have to talk to people now and be a real human being instead of awkwardly sit down on my pew and read the bulletin. I'm glad that I got that off my chest. All right, here we go. So we know that the, the mirror represents selfish narcissism and the globe represents selfless service. Here's our driving thought. Humility will revolutionize your life. This is not in your notes, but if you're taking notes, please write this down. Here is what humility is. Humility is a way of life, like the way we roll, our modus operandi, a way of life that is characterized by constant submission to what God says, not only about you, but about others and also the point and the purpose of life. This cannot be completed. This cannot be done. We cannot be humble unless we regularly lower ourselves. Say, so Jeff, how do we do that? We have to understand that Christ is the, is the picture, the source of all genuine humility. If you have your Bibles, um, turn with me very quickly or make a note in your notes. Matthew chapter 20, verse 28, okay? This is Jesus. He's got, this is so awesome. This is like a sermon in itself, okay? Um, a couple of the disciples, their mom comes to Jesus and she says, Jesus, um, let's see here, um, verse 20 knew that she was going to ask him something, and then she says in verse 21, say that these two sons of mine are to sit one on your right hand and one on your left in your kingdom. Here's what happened. Guys, you're on the high school baseball team. You're, there's tryouts. You're on the team. And all of a sudden, your coach is addressing the team and your mom comes over, Coach! Coach! And you're like, oh no. Which, by the way, if you're in high school, hug your mama. Don't, don't don't be one of those cowards that's ashamed of of your mom. All right, good job. We just had some application back row. Good job. So seriously, hug your mom. So this is like you're there, and your mom comes and says, "Excuse me, I know you have my son in right field, but he needs to play pitcher. Please." And she's got her hand on her hip in that mom type of way that any man who has common sense, he knows the right answer is just, yes, ma'am, and respect and honor, okay? This would have been very embarrassing. You're there, you're one of the disciples, your mom comes. You know, catching this? You're there with all your friends and your mom comes and says, can my two sons be the greatest in your kingdom? And I, I don't know about you, but I would say some of those other disciples are like, you know, they're just, okay, maybe it was just me. Verse 28, here's how Jesus responds. He says, even as the Son of Man came not to be served, but to serve and to give his life as a ransom for many. Back up to verse 27. He says, or verse 26 rather, it shall not be so among you, but whoever would be great among you must be your what? Your servant. And whoever would be first among you must be your slave. The way that we gain contentment, and that's, that's the theme of this series, the book of Philippians. How do we get to that place in life where we are content and not tearing away at ourselves? How do we get to the place to where we are not always depressed? A large aspect of contentment is when we humble ourselves like Jesus. So we have to study Jesus in order to know how to follow Him. I just want to make a note and give the Lord praise. Um, we had a business meeting a couple weeks ago. If you've been in church at all, you know that Baptist and business meetings has little difference than a domestic violence call. Se- seriously. Seriously. Okay? I have known of churches to where police had to get involved. There had to be people to break up violence. There was yelling. There was screaming. And I'm not trying to be funny here. I'm trying to be very, very honest. It was like something off of these shows like Jerry Springer where you have people who hate each other and you have people trying to pull them apart to keep people from getting hurt. Do you know what happened in the business meeting? The church voted to create a fund called the Great Commission Fund. The Great Commission is what Jesus told us to do in the book of Matthew, and that's to go into all the world and make disciples of every ethnic group, everybody. The church voted to increase the amount of money that we are giving to missions. The church voted to put money into the Great Commission Fund. Not just money we're giving to send missionaries overseas, but it is the consensus of Rocky Mount Baptist Church. We don't just want to enable other people to do missions. We want to do it as well. And not only that, we want to do it in our community. And do you know the only thing that was really out of order in that business meeting? It's right when we were about to close. say, so we have any, any other business? lady raises her hand and gave a word of praise to a Sunday school class who had invested in helping children who are very underprivileged in our community. I said, there is nothing more proper than giving praise where praise is due because God has changed hearts. I don't know what y'all's church background is, but and this is this is not a sales pitch, but seriously, if you are looking for a place to get plugged in to where you will not be assigned to 5,000 different committees with the committee on committee and the cup committee and the toilet paper committee and the cleaning and all of these committees to where you're just committed to death and you're thinking, Lord Jesus, please come quickly. And then you're the one who has to go to the business meeting to give a report on how much toilet paper has been used. And you're thinking deep down, I want to serve Jesus, but this is not right. We don't roll that way. Jimmy, I'll get that point. Y'all like that? Okay. You can use that. Tell them you heard it at church. I don't even care. Use it. But seriously though, I have been been so humbled by the way that we have looked at God's word by the way that we look at what we do things I want to thank all of the Sunday school teachers for weekend and week out putting time in to teach the word of God I want to thank each and every one of you who gives sacrificially and by the way this is this is only glory to the Lord but we have been able to to make budget and we've taken in more than we've been able to to use. What did the church do? Say, well, you know what? Let's just up the amount. Since God has been faithful through His people to give, let's up the amount to do what He told us to do. Amen? We told everybody in the business meeting, this is no glory to myself or to this church. But we pray that this is an encouragement to people in southwest Virginia, that church does not always have to be about fighting, about getting different groups together. It can be if we humble ourselves before God and say, this is not my church, it's not my car, it's not my house, it's not my clothes, it's not my family, it's all his, it's not my life, it's yours. And we come together and we pull our resources together. We can do great things for God. We can reach out into this community to where drug use and alcoholism is ravaging families. Through your giving and through you investing in people, you can be used to change the course of a family. People that have drank away their life savings, we can reach out to them and Jesus can save them. The man who is doing well in this economy, the white collar professional, but when he comes home, he realizes he has no hope. We can reach out to that man. For the lady who has been through multiple divorces and her husband won't pay the child support. By the way, that happens all the time. One of my roommates in college, that was him. He grew up in that. Very poor. We can reach out through the power of the Gospel by humbling ourselves and saying, I will invest in people who may have more money than me, may have less money than me, or no money. I'm going to humble myself and be inconvenienced. I will humble myself and be inconvenienced by investing in people. And the Holy Spirit will give you so much joy. Not a weird freak out kind of joy. He will change your life. And I believe so firmly that the reason why so many of us Christians, we get so burned out is because we're not giving out. We come and we read and we listen to Christian radio and we go to work and we, we hear stuff and we come to church and it's about us. Whether we like the sermon or whether we like the music or whether somebody played the drums or whether they didn't. But the Christian life is about giving and serving God has done amazing things within our church family if you're looking for a place to join up join Rocky Mount Baptist Church if you want to serve because you can may it be that God will ever turn our eyes away from this mirror and turn them to the world because that's where his heart is that's why it says in verse 1 the apostle Paul is giving a conditional argument here he says so if there is any encouragement in Christ any comfort from love any participation in the spirit any affection and sympathy wow Isn't that awesome? That's what the church should be, amen? I don't care what you have done, what your family background is. When you come to Rocky Mount Baptist Church, it is our 100% desire that you feel the love of God. You feel the love of God through the way people interact with you. This is a safe place. You can come here, you can be honest, you can be open, because there are people here who God is saved, not because we're better, but it's because He is good. And the only thing we want to do with this building and with our budget is to reach the world. Amen? That's our desire. This is in your notes. We're talking about Humility. We gotta be on the lookout for false humility. Check this out. It's a little bit of a long statement, but once again, Jonathan Edwards hits the nail on the head. He says, a sign of spiritual pride is persons being apt to think highly of their humility. Uh oh. Stop, stop right there. Okay. So I go, okay. All right. I want to be humble. I want to serve God. I want to turn my eyes away from the mirror. I want to turn them to the world. So let me, let me try to be humble. Okay. Being humble. Trying to be humble. I was okay this day. Didn't go off at anybody. Didn't tell anybody how great I was. Didn't tell anybody about that book I'd really like to write. I was always on my mind. I didn't do any of that this day or yesterday. So I'm doing pretty good with my humility. Yep. Got that thing down, buddy. Y'all tracking with me on this? False humility. think much of their own humility. Go with me a step further. The humble Christian... Th- this is mind-blowing... The humble Christian is more apt to find fault with his own pride than with that of other men. He is apt to put the best construction on others' words and behavior and to think that none are so proud as himself. But the hypocrite is quick to discern the mote or the little speck of sawdust in his brother's eye. In this respect, while he sees nothing of the beam in his own Was so it was of old with the false prophets, so it was with the hypocritical Jews, and so Christ tells us it was with the Pharisees. There is a deceptiveness that Satan can come and he can say, you know what? You've gotten saved. Good job. You got involved in attending church on a regular basis. Thumbs up. You're involved in a small group Sunday school Bible study. You have done so good in your reading. Your Bible... That is so much better than you know that person we know over here. And now all of a sudden we begin to think about how good we've been doing compared to what we used to do. And then we find ourselves, as we talked about last week, in the same company of the man who came to church, the Pharisee, and he looked at the man who was a tax cheat, who was a tax collector, and he says, God, I thank you that I'm not like that man. By the way, If you, your Christianity is built upon looking down at other people, I want to be very clear this morning. If no one else is good enough for you, if you're always better than other people, if you can always find fault but you're never at fault, it is very possible that you've never been born again. You are lost and if you died now, you would go straight to hell. Bottom line. You say, Jeff, why would you say that? A person who has been held over hell by the Holy Spirit. Here's what I mean. When you really get saved, you realize that you have done enough that God would justly give you hell. That means, guys, all the stuff that we had looked at, all of the things that we had done, that nobody else knew about and that she kept quiet all of the crooked business deals that had been kept under the table, all of those things, all of the curse words, all of the GDs, all of the talking down to other people, all of the screaming and fighting at home, every single thing could be wrapped up into a bag, tied around our neck, and it would drag us to the very depths of hell. But one day we heard the Gospel and the Holy Spirit opened our heart. And we looked in and we saw this mirror and we said, I am not an upstanding middle class citizen of Franklin County. I am not just the proud, tall American of John Wayne. I am a sinner who is in need of God's forgiveness. And that's when all of the sins of the other people just fade into the horizon and your eyes turn inward and you see what you truly are. That's why Paul says, he says, I'm the greatest of sinners. And by the way, if you've ever been saved, you know that you had that feeling too. Amen. Say, I am lost. I am. I am doomed without Christ. I am not a good person. I need His forgiveness. God, my life is so jacked up. I could sit here and compare myself to people all day long, but I need You. Please, God, save me. Don't come to God and say, alright, you said whoever calls the name of the Lord will be saved. I call do it. We come and say, God, please, please save me. Is that too awkward for us this morning? It kind of sounds like old school, like the way preachers used to preach a long time ago when they used to get worked up. But you know what? I think we need more of that today. Amen? That's why we've got to be so careful about false humility. Don't let it get you. And by the way, when people mistreat you, when they use you in ways that they should not, when you have disagreements with people within church, understand this, that if they are in sin, sure we confront that, but how long were we lost? How many years did some of us stay out of church? Hello. Sinning by using God's day as our own day. Doing our thing in God's time. Being prideful. Saying, you know what? Not only am I not going to go to church, but when I go to church, I'm not even going to look for a place to serve. How many years have we done that? When other people frustrate you, let it remind yourself of how long God was patient with you. Can you all feel kind of the awkwardness here this morning? Anybody feel that? So what happens when we begin to feel guilty and convicted. People say, well, what do we do with pride? You just need to swallow your pride. No, it'll make you sick, regurgitate it, spit it out. Here's how we adopt a humble lifestyle, humble mind. Notice verse 2. Complete my joy by being of the same mind, having the same love, and being in full accord and of one mind. Here it is, verse 3. Do nothing from rivalry or conceit. But in humility, count others more significant than yourself. Now, this is absolutely huge. What he's saying is be of the same mindset here. Here's how we turn our eyes. This, this, this is how we put this into practice. We turn our eyes from narcissism. People say, what is narcissism? It is being absolutely in love with yourself. Have you ever known or been around the person who's just really impressed by their own achievements? Here, here's one way that you can find that out. And... If you're talking to a person, and no matter where the conversation goes, they always bring up something that they did. Are you that person? No matter where the conversation goes, they try to somehow um, pull what some elected representatives do and try to twist the law and get it back to where it's going to point to them. Do you know what our conversation should be covered in? When you talk to a person, and sometimes you can sense it, can't you? This person has had no one to talk to for a long time. Y'all ever been in a conversation like that before? And you know, man, they, they just have that thing revved up and they're just gonna let loose. You know one of the best things that you can do to show Christ to them? You can lovingly listen to them and shut up. Y'all alright? You know, one of the things that can break down so many walls is if you look a person in the eye and you genuinely are concerned about how they're doing, and you ask them, and they begin to pour out from their heart how their life is. And when they see that you care about that, that's going to open the door for you to share about Jesus. But so often, so many of us, we don't wait for the person to finish. We jump right in in mid-sentence and try to cut them off. Let them talk. You say, Jeff, but this person speaks about 180 miles an hour with gust up to 500. Well, sometimes, you know, just ask the Lord's wisdom. And uh, if it's five years later and you still have it in the phone charger, then say, you know what, i got to go see my kid graduate college. I hadn't seen him in four years. And they will be able to understand. Are you tracking with me this morning? To show love in that way. Now, this word here, I want you to make notes if, you, if you're taking them. This word here, rivalry. Or conceit, the first word rivalry, it clashes here with the idea that Jesus gives. Did you know that this word was used in the pagan world for selfish seeking in pursuit of a political office by unfair means? Hello? you notice what American politics has become? It's not become a way for people to love each other, has it? The Bible says right here, do nothing out of self-seeking. Romans chapter 2 verse 8 says, but for those who are self-seeking and do not obey the truth, but obey in righteousness, there will be wrath and fury. The other word conceit here is a combination of two words. One would be empty and the other would be glory. It means empty glory, vain glory, doing things that have absolutely no ultimate value. You know, for some of us, the thing that needs to happen where we'll we turn from the mirror to the world is that we need to stop worrying about whatever other people think about us. What defines you as a person? What gives you worth? For a lot of guys, it's what they can do physically. It's what they can make. It's what they can own. It's what they can drive. Same thing for ladies a lot of times. Vainglory. For some people, you have a low self-esteem. You go out and you'll buy things. Say, well, I've had godly ladies tell me this is, this is an issue. I'm going to go out and buy things so that will make me feel valuable. If I can wear something that's nice, that's going to prop up my self-esteem instead of turning to Christ. It can be even something, choir, when you sing, praise band, when you play. It could be laced with pride by saying, I want everybody to know that I have the best voice. I'm the best guitarist. I'm the best at this. It can be anything having to do with sports. Wanting everyone to know that I'm the big man on campus. Ladies, it can have something to do with everyone noticing that you have done the best with your family and that my kids are not like your kids. It's called vain glory. It's called conceit. It can be something like if God has given you gifts in intelligence and you do well in school. Do you know that it can very easily turn to pride because you want everyone to know that you're the best writer, that you're the best mathematician, and that you're that type of person which we don't want to be around who knows everything about everything. Have you ever been around somebody like that? Can we just have a moment of catharsis in church? When you bring up some random fact and Mr. or Mrs. Correct All over here wants to bring up, don't do that! That will tell everybody, not only do I not want to go to church with this person, I don't want to have anything to do with their Jesus, because He may be the one who taught him to be this annoying. In love, listen to people. I was in Romania, there was this, there was this big, Romania it was like a big white woolly dog. I still don't know what kind it was. And the, the lady from New Zealand came over and she said, I'm not a dog person. I'm not going to try to imitate the accent. Because if you've ever heard anybody try to imitate British or New Zealand, Australian accent, and it doesn't go, it's just like dumb and stop, just talk normal. So I'm going to talk normal. She said, I'm not a dog person that has fleas, but the dog is all tangled up. If you could go help the dog, that would be great. I went over and it had like the 16 gauge wire around uh, the dog collar. that was all jacked up and twisted. And the dog had actually gotten himself totally wrapped up in this wire. And so went over this huge dog and I had to pick the dog up and pull the wire around, turn the dog this way. And I was like, Lord, please help him not to bite me because I'm going to come down with the Romanian hybrid dog spotted fever. Hogga, hogga, hogga. I mean, I don't even know what type of a disease that would be, but please keep me safe, Jesus. And so, once we got that dog free, I couldn't believe it, like all the wires just twisted up and mangled. And when we finally got that dog out, that, you ever seen a dog, you know, when he's trying to tell you thank you in doggies? That dog spun around like that, jumped up in the air. I said, you know what, that's the way that we are when Jesus frees us from having to be all about ourselves. You say, okay, Jeff, you've been on that for a while. How do we actually throw off these selfish ambitions and turn in service to the world. Notice what it says in verse 4. Let each of you look not only to his own interests, but also to the interests of others. Here's how you do it. You count others more important than yourselves. But if you have a family, guys, as the spiritual leaders, you look for every way possible that you can demonstrate Christ to your children by serving your wife. See, now Jeff, you're not married. I know this is what the Bible says. Guys, you have such an incredible opportunity by giving true biblical words of affirmation about your wife's character to her, and in front of your kids. So guess what they're going to be able to model when they meet the one. They're going to be able to model you know what, my mom and dad mutually exchange biblical words of affirmation about one another's character. Not just about their good job of bringing home a paycheck or you're so beautiful or so forth, but you are so diligent. Like ladies, you could tell this to your husband. You can say, honey, you were so diligent in getting out there and fighting the world and bringing home a paycheck or looking for a job for us kids. I am so proud of you i we're not going to take a straw polls because men don't like to admit these things but ladies if you do that guy will be on a tricycle aiming at hell with a water pistol i mean it just fires men up to hear true encouragement and guys i will not ask you to tack on your man car by saying amen okay look for ways to build each other up y'all all right is this too basic If you're there with your kids or your grandkids, you can find ways to do menial tasks. The tasks, the type of chores that nobody wants to do. But in doing that, we're like Jesus. Jesus washed grown men's feet. Let that sink in. And when we turn from selfishness to service, the questions change from what's in it for me, but how can I invest in other people? You see, now Jeff, what, in my family, nobody does that. We yell at each other. There are no words of encouragement. If I do the right thing, then that's all that's said. Did you know that you can quietly change the culture of your family? But even if all of them refuse to repent, who do you have responsibility for yourself? That means that children, you should honor your father and your mother, and it will be well with you. That's the commandment with a promise. That means, and it just—it this is a pet peeve. Guys who are teenagers and in college who don't pay for their stuff, but they treat their parents like garbage. Man, I just, I'm like, Lord, please morph me into their body. And I just want to say that, well, you can disrespect me talking on the cell phone plan that you no longer have. Amen? If they're paying for your stuff, show them honor. If they're not paying for anything, show them honor. Say, so, well Jeff, they're dishonorable. You're not honoring their actions, you're honoring the fact that God has given you a father and a mother who's still alive. Think about an orphan, okay? Look for ways to build other people up, and especially when we come to church here. Oh, it'll set you free. Not when, especially I've talked to people before, like I, This happened when I was an intern and we went to visit a lady in the Dallas-Fort Worth Metroplex and she had come and visit the church and and she said, well, I'm looking for a church that will do this for me and my family. And it was just like, man, she had that thing memorized. You ever talk to somebody and they have something memorized and she just beginning to go down that list about all the things that she wanted the church to do and the church had better do this or she's not going to join the church i said well well ma'am and and the uh the, the senior staff pastor he wasn't able to stop me before i started so i said ma'am that's not what church is for church is a place if you're saved for you to come and find service not for the church to be your servant yeah she never came back <laughs> but it will set you free like this, some people say, well, I don't want to come to Sunday school, I don't have a class that I like. Well, you start one. You can call it first Sunday school class of the persimmon juice. I mean, I don't know. I mean, just find a place, a place and a way to serve. That's, that's for negative people, right? Sucking on persimmon juice makes you look mean. Okay, make sure we're on the same page. When you come to church and you look for ways to complain and you look for ways that this church can benefit you, you will be an unhappy person. The happiest and most joyful people I have known have come into situations and said, you know what? I'm going to do everything I can to lift this up. And I praise God that there are so many of you that do that. Richard Baxter said this, Now, brethren, what have we to do for the time to come? But to deny, I love this, to deny our lazy flesh and rouse up ourselves to the work before us. The harvest is great. means there's a lot of lost people. The laborers are few. The loiterers and hinderers are many. But the souls of men are precious. The misery of sinners is great and the everlasting misery to which they are near is greater. But the joys of heaven are inconceivable. Can we get an amen in the house this morning? The prayer of your pastor's heart is that wherever you are with Christ, if you're looking into the mirror of selfishness saying, what can I get out of it? Turn away from that and say, what can I invest in it? And God will give you so much joy. People may even think you're a little strange, but not that kind of strange. And God will get the glory and your Christian life will be absolutely revolutionized.